episode of the Noon on Saturday podcast. We'll break down some of the big picture issues. We'll take a look at the playoff, the structure of it, and how it should look moving forward. We'll talk about scheduling for FCS teams, and we'll take a look at how the coaching carousel is spinning with college football bowl season right around the corner. Still plenty to discuss here on the Noon on Saturday podcast, presented by NoonOnSaturday.com. Let's roll. Welcome back to the Noon on Saturday podcast. I'm Ben Bobek alongside Manjo and Steve Brown. We are back. Week three, episode three. It's a little bit of a, of a down week here as we get set for bowl season underway soon. But still plenty to talk about. Still plenty to get into. Steve, this is your favorite time of the week, the year, isn't it? Plenty of college football games going on nonstop every single day, every single minute. Yeah, I'm going to be entertained for the next, you know, till till the national championship, and then after that, that's that's when uh, the seasonal depression sits in. Really, if you care about Steve Brown, once the clock hits zero in the national title game. Please send him flowers, send him chocolates, send him your love and affection. I need... Because he's going to need it. Because without college football, Steve is nothing. A, a shell. Less fulfilled. He's less fulfilled. He's just not there. He's a husk of the man we know him to be. And it's just kind of sad. So please help us out. Yeah. You can follow us at noon on... Saturday on Twitter. That's at 12 on Saturday to keep up with all those well wishes. Steve, Manjo, guys, plenty to get into today, even though it is kind of that lull in the college football season between championship week and bowl season, but still lots of news going on with the coaching carousel, some interesting head coaching hires, some interesting offensive coordinators. Which ones have really stood out to you the most? Uh, for one, I would say Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. I think that was a really good hire. Uh, he's a strong defensive coach. Um, he did a great job at Temple, and he's going to do a very good job at Georgia Tech. And them not having the triple option, I think, is... And not having Russell Athletic as their uniform yeah. supplier. That That is very good for them, I think, as far as their ability to peak as a program. You can only go so far as a triple option team. So... I think as a Georgia Tech fan, you have to be very excited, uh, and the arrow is pointing up for them. I'd have to say uh, <clears throat> the one I'm most excited to see is uh, Mel Tucker at uh, Colorado. I mean, he's had a track record of great defenses, um, and in the Pac-12, you never really think of a Pac-12 team having an outstanding defense, so it's going to be interesting. Washington? I mean, like Utah. Basically, our point is Steve is wrong. I'm saying traditionally. I uh, What about Mike Loxley? I think that was a good hire at Maryland. Mike, I think, obviously, you know, I grew up very close to Maryland. Again. It, 
was one of my top choices. Um, they just hired Demathas head yeah. coach as their running backs coach. That's a right. good hire. Yeah, and that that was recruiting, was, recruiting, recruiting. That's what it's all about. Loxley Loxley has always had such a great. Um, That's why Pitt needs to hire Eric Kasparowitz as their <laughs> offensive coordinator. That would be a good ASAP. Hire. Yeah. No, I mean, Loxley has always recruited the DMV very well, especially Maryland. And, you know, something that Maryland has really struggled with is being able to get those top Maryland guys, guys like, you know, Travon, Tavon Diggs, who's, you know, starting corner at Alabama. His brother plays in the NFL. I don't know, Stephon Diggs, maybe you heard of him. Local Maryland guy who... How was about uh, Dwayne Haskins? Dwayne Haskins, right. I mean, there was this whole thing, I think maybe my junior, sophomore year in high school a couple years ago, where all the top Maryland guys, you know, Haskins was really the leader of it. They were like saying, you know, let's be, you know, let's all go to Maryland and make, you know, our hometown team great. And then, you know, really only one of those guys, a guy by the name of Jake Funk, who's like their second string running back right now, ended up doing that. And Haskins, of course, flipped from Maryland to Ohio State and is now a Heisman finalist. Diggs was never really committed to it and ended up at Alabama where he's, you know, had an interesting career switching from the offensive side to to defense where he's a starting corner now. But I think Loxley, his goal is going to be to get those players. That and area bringing in, yeah, a strong recruiting base now. And Narduzzi has done a great job here at Pitt of tapping into that a little bit. I think people around here would hate to hear this, but the DMV is probably a better area than the Whippeal at this point. Yeah. As far as, obviously it's a much bigger area, and the Whippeal is concentrated yeah. to pretty much two counties, two and a half. Right, and, and in the DMV you the have... The DMV you have Virginia, D.C., like there's a lot of good areas where football is being played, and there's a lot of high-level athletes. So... Like, the DMV is a great area to have a lot of recruiters in. So if Maryland can lock that down, that'll be huge for their program. And they're in a very tough – It's what they need to bounce back. They're in a hugely tough division. So you got to do something. And so if they can recruit to a high level, um, that's obviously a great start. Here's a question for you guys. What do you do if you're Matt Canada? I mean, you have to think – well, you'd think that Matt Canada thought he was – a pretty big candidate for head coach he doesn't get it i'm pretty sure he's interviewed other places and hasn't really gotten a look what what do you do i mean he is i I think matt canada is in a very good position he has a lot of options he's a highly desired offensive coordinator as it is not only that people want him to be their head coach he could probably could get a he could get probably any non-power five head coaching job in the country so, but I think I think he's shown he's, that he wants for a power five job. Yeah, I, that, that's what I that's what I was gonna say. I'm, I'm wondering. Well, do you do, think do you, do you think, think he gets a power five job right now? No, next he well, if he I don't know I don't know exactly what his options are, but if I was him, I would think it would be ideal to stay at Maryland for a year or two max. Ideally, they have some success, and then you take the first power five job that is desirable to you. Obviously, he was sniffing around the Purdue job, or sorry, the. Uh, Louisville. Louisville job. He was sniffing around pretty much any job that was power five that he can get at. So, I think <clears throat> this year was kind of a good indication of what he could do as a head coach. I mean, he took Maryland w- w- with you know the off season that they had um, and the, how it continued into the season. He re- really rallied uh, the football team late. You know, they had some ver- very bad losses uh, initially. Uh, early on the on the year, they got like blown out by Minnesota, um, 
and then they just rally. You see them, you know, lose a close contested game, should have won against Ohio State, and uh, they start competing with with a bigger team. So maybe Matt Canna stays another year and uh, makes some waves possibly in, in the Big Ten East. Or I, w- I guess, yeah, I, now that I think about it, I could see where you're coming from. He, he waits a year and just gets a power five. I think I think his resume's there is basically what I'm saying. Just what he did at Pitt alone in one season makes him a highly coveted offensive mind still to this day. He was implementing offensive schemes and um, like formations and shifts that were like cutting edge. So yeah. Matt Canada is a highly desired offensive mind, and in this day and age of college football, I mean, in who wouldn't want? a highly desired offensive mind to be their head coach. So, like, UConn fans would suck Matt Canada's... Yeah. Yeah. They would want Matt Canada for life. There's a lot of programs out there that would love to have Matt Canada. So he's in a good spot. The other two I really want to ask you guys about is uh, Chris Kleiman at uh, Kansas State, and Manny Diaz at Temple. Uh, I mean, Diaz is a guy who's run a very successful defensive unit at Miami for the last couple years. You know, even though Miami as a whole hasn't had the success that, you know, Mark Richt would have liked, that defense has been great. Manny Diaz has been able to bring in a lot of, you know, quality guys on that side of the ball. Do you think he's going to be able to translate that to a little bit of a lesser school? at Temple, or do you think that he's going to bring the same, I mean, obviously not the same recruiting clout, but, you know, a similar high level to to Temple? I think Manny Diaz definitely is a, is a highly known name in the recruiting world, and he's a respected defensive name, and I think he'll do very well at Temple. I think he's a great coach. I think he was a high, like a very major part of their success over the past three years and I think he's a guy that will get a better job one day just as most guys do when they're at Temple unfortunately for Temple at the spot they're at it's either you do really well when your coach leaves or your team isn't very good that's what three in a row now Adazio Rule and what was his name right off the top of my tongue the guy that you just went to Georgia Tech Jeff Collins Jeff Collins I didn't know who you were referring to that's three in a row, right? Yeah, they it, they're kind of what Pitt, they're what pets they're what Penn State fans make fun of Pitt being like they're what Penn but, State fans think yeah, Pitt is as far are. as a coaching carousel carousel, and it's like the definition of a stepping stone, I would say, because Temple they have a good they have a good situation they have a lot of they have a good recruiting area they're right in the middle of that DMV area they pull from the Whippeal they pull from the entire East Coast. Um, and they're Philly. one of the bigger names outside of the Power Five. Yeah. So if a kid's not getting Power Five offers and he gets a Temple offer, they're going to take a hard look at that because Temple's one of the bigger names outside of that Power Five school. So well, I think Temple's a place where you can win at least eight games consistently, which means their coaches are going to be getting out of there. Well, and also – the great part about Temple is they're in the American. The American is by far the best Group of Five conference. So it's not like exactly you're going to be facing you're going to be facing UCF, um, USF, Navy, um, SMU, Houston teams who are not. Uh, cons- I mean, UCF's been good the past couple of years, but even on off year, even, you're even so- a couple of years ago, they were winless. Yeah, I know, 
But I'm saying, you know, and then it's it's open, it's competitive. Years before that, Houston was was right. on the right. So there's always going to be um, teams that are flirting with the top ten. So it's not like they're they're irrelevant. So as the American would like to say, it's the power six. Yeah, I mean that's ridiculous and. It's a it's a valiant branding effort. Yeah, and it's probably going to pay off in the fact that there's going to be. They've clearly a spot. established them as the sixth. If conference. they do go to an eighth te- eighteen playoff, which we'll talk about later in the show, there's probably going to be a spot for our group of five team. Yeah, which means that the American has kind of won in the fact that they have won the argument that a team outside of the Power Five deserves respect. Right. Because. I mean, who's it going to be? Unless it's Notre Dame, which will be one of those teams that is going to get that slot if they have one or two losses if in an 18 playoff scenario. But if it's not Notre Dame, then it's going to be a team from the American Conference getting that group of five slot. So really, they that was a job well done by the American and their marketing efforts. I, yeah. Um, so in uh, again, as you mentioned, Manny Diaz is is a well known name. So I think not only will he be, he be able to recruit, be he will be able to recruit. Uh, solid coaching as well. So if he, you know, if he wants to stay there for three to four years, I think he could develop something good, and in the meantime, uh, bolster his resume for a decent, you know, if not really good power five job. Maybe I don't know if Mark Ricks keeps flopping at Miami. Well, I mean, as soon as exactly as yeah. soon as Diaz like pretty much announced he left, like there's been like three de- three decommits since that's happened. There's yeah. probably a, my- a lot of Miami fans that. Are would rather lunatics, but that are saying that they want my, Manny Diaz instead of like we'd rather have Mark Diaz, Mark Rick leave than Manny Diaz. Leave. Yeah, there's always going to be those Miami fans. Okay, outside of you know the head honcho jobs, outside of head coaching jobs, which coordinator hires, which kind of staff change do you think is going to have the biggest impact? Is it going to be you know Kingsbury out to USC, or is it going to be something else? Well, how about the one that broke today to Florida State? Um, Kendall Bryles. Kendall Bryles, one of the best, you know, offensive minds. With, had an with offensive machine going at Baylor, obviously with some baggage. The architecture of his father and a prostitution scheme and a lot of issues. Like there was just a lot of issues at Baylor. They had a lot of domestic violence cover-ups. So yeah. Um, but. At the same time, if you're Kendall Bryles, you can probably say that I was just an offensive coordinator. I didn't right I, he, deal with anything that wasn't football. And I think I, I think I think his ability to hold a job still in the college football world has kind of. I think if I think if the baggage was enough to stop him from getting him a job, stop him from getting a job, it would have stopped yeah, him. Yeah, he made it through the storm. He's not like Jay, Pater- Jay Paterno didn't make it through that storm. He's not getting a job in college football. Understandably, but you know, some people do make it through that storm. Art Bryles probably isn't going to make it through that storm. No, because he's so old at this point, it's not worth it for a team to take the risk, unless it's a very low level school. But I don't know. I'm I'm I'm. Very intrigued to see what Florida State is able to do in, in the, in, you know, it's either them or Clemson, obviously, in the Atlantic year in and year out. So I, I think that'll help them a lot as far as catching up to Clemson, and they are way behind right now. But Kingsbury is also very intriguing to see what he can do with JT Daniels, and that's that's going to be something to watch as far as entertainment value week in and week out. I'm more interested uh, with uh, UNC's coaching eyes. I think... What? Who was the OC that they just brought in? Um, the guy from uh, Graham Harrell. 
Graham Harrell. The former Texas so, Tech yeah, quarterback. Texas Tech yeah. QB. More than likely, you know, we're going to see a lot more passing out of UNC. They have they're the. Going, they're going air raid. They're going air raid. And they have been recruiting some solid wide receivers. They so, just flipped, I think, I want to say a safety from Pitt. Three star guy. Caudry Jackson. Yeah, yeah him. They, they're recruiting some decent wide receivers. Um, they just brought in the DC from Army. So yes. Their OC is Phil Longo from Ole Miss. Oh, Phil Longo. Okay. Where did Graham Harrell go? No, I'm pretty sure they hired Graham Harrell. Phil Longo. Oh, I knew. Yeah. Okay. But anyways, Air Raid, I think, is still the the idea. Which oh, it, which I think is gonna be is gonna be an interesting combination. This year was something that Pitt would get shredded by week in and week out. So that is not good for Pitt that no. they hired Ole Miss's OC. I think. And and yeah, again with with a name like Mac Brown. Oh no, no, uh, Manjo's right. Longo's at UNC. Harold was mentioned a lot, but didn't. But he's staying in North okay, Texas. Yeah, um, that's our bad. And then, yeah, the D.C. from... His Ar- alma mater, which is... I don't know, maybe he'll be the head coach there one day. Graham Harrell at North Texas. That'd be that'd be something I'd like to see. I always like to see a guy at his alma Graham mater Harrell? coming back to... The- no, no, Harrell went to Texas Tech. He went to Texas Tech. Oh. He's just biding his time at North Texas until that Texas Tech That's job opens me. again in three years. As as Big Cat would say, we'll edit that out. He was he was the guy who threw the pass to the Crabtree yeah. against Texas. That, yeah, yeah, we're right. Um, Crabtree? Yeah, North Texas on his Wikipedia... And this, my, yeah, my brain farted. Anyways, so I think that coaching staff, along with Mac Brown, um, but really how the air raid is going to come in. I mean, to the ACC. Yeah, I mean, I think the entire coastal division is going to be interesting. I oh, mean, yeah. we saw we saw just how wide open it was this year with the Panther Pit Panthers being able to pull out the uh, the divisional win there. But there's a lot of change. Of course, Georgia Tech. Like we've mentioned, of course, UNC now. But, you know, Dino Babers just got a long-term extension from Syracuse. He's been able to, you know, build some consistency up there and, you know, uh, in New York. This is going to be an interesting division now. In the, in the immediate... Lots of coaches trying to make an immediate impact. In the immediate, as far as next year, I like Pitts, what Pitts looking at because I think there's a lot... Especially of if the offense are, can... Yeah, there's a lot consistent. of teams that are on unproven ground, and the, the Miami is looking. Ugh. You know, Georgia Tech and North Carolina have new coaches. Syrac- I think isn't Dungy graduating? Yeah, Syracuse will have a new quarterback. Um, See where V Tech goes. David Cutcliffe is a hundred, so they're they're. I don't. I don't Sandman Duke doesn't worry me that much. So, so I, I think Pitt. I like what they're looking at, except for the fact that there's probably standing pat with Sean Watson, which obviously I don't want to – listen, I don't know if I'm a fire Sean Watson guy or if I'm not, but it worries me that we're just going to stand pat. And if we stay similar to who we were last year, someone will pass us up and we won't win the Coastal again. Yeah. that, but as I said, I like our chances because I still as think I we said I still think we are one of the stronger established programs in the coastal right now as far as stability. I mean, Narduzzi has to be the second longest tenured coach in the division right now. As far as behind Cutcliffe, yeah, 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 yeah. So I just crazy because he's been here what five years. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see. I think we're going to see a lot less of a Miami team. I think. It'll be really interesting how that turns out. I think we are slowly but surely we're going to start to witness a, a more refined, more talented um, coastal division. And I think that again, you bring the big names. Yeah, and, and then, Bronco and, Mendenhall, Justin Fuente. 
Mendenhall's doing wonders. Um, Mac Brown, Pat Narduzzi. These are some names that are big names. Jeff Collins, not so much, but I think Jeff Collins might be one of the best coaches out of all those. Yeah. And so. especially if Collins is able to actually tap into that Atlanta Metro recruiting area and keep some of those kids home that are just, you know, flocking away because they don't want to play, you know, for Paul Johnson in the triple option. Look out. Yeah. If Pitt can convince kids to come to Pittsburgh, I would say Georgia can, Georgia Tech can, can convince kids to come to Atlanta. Yeah. So that is a strong possibility of a program that could take off with under the right coach. This is, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. It would be great to see the, the ACC become formidable. The clear-cut number three conference in, in college football. I think it has potential to be. It has potential to be. I think it has potential to be the number two. It do, Oh, it does if... Oh, yeah. Listen, if the Big Ten coaching powers that are there right now leave, yes, but that's possible. I think but right now, the coaching in the Big Ten is at another level. Right. Now, yeah. now but I Domino think has fallen in Urban Meyer, but Harbaugh, if Harbaugh leaves... Harbaugh right, hasn't won anything. The Big Ten has a lot of... Harbaugh coaches. hasn't done anything. Uh, I mean, he did a lot at Stanford. He made the Super Bowl. Here's the Harbaugh thing. is a Here's really good coach. Remember where Michigan was before Warner Harbaugh? Bowl. Before Andrew Harbaugh. Locke. Before Haba came in, I mean, remember the what the Rich Rod days and, and Rich Rod, Brady Hoke, Stanford like, football was nothing. He and right now, even with David Shaw, Harbaugh's been gone for over five years, and Stanford is still a Pac-12 ta- power because of the foundation that Harbaugh built there. I think, yeah, I, I don't. He think left. Has he left the year before Luck, right? I'm not exactly sure, but yeah, I believe Luck played a year with Shaw. Yeah, I think he, I think Luck played his senior year with Shaw. After, but still, James Franklin, as much as yeah, as much as, as I want to yeah. see him get like run over by a truck and then the truck backs up <laughs> and runs over him again, he's a very good and college again. football coach. So the Big Ten, I think, is the clear cut second best conference, and then you can argue, you can argue there. Between the Big Twelve and the ACC, the Pac Twelve, I think. Is I think it's. I think it's the ACC. I don't think. I don't think there's an argument between With the ACC. The argument and the Big is probably right it's you're you're basically saying quantity versus quality. The the, well, the Big Twelve is smaller, but the ACC has. When more. was the last time? When was the last time any team from the Big Twelve won a national championship? I mean, we have yes, yes. Wow. I mean, I haven't thought about that like, in a while. Hey, it was 2005, wasn't it? Uh, Texas and Vince Young has to be... Was it 06? That was 2005. And then... Huh? That's, what I'm, that's what I'm thinking of. I don't think they've won it. Because I don't... Because I, I know... I think Texas made, made, made the championship. They played Bama and they got... You know, Kurt McCoy yeah. got injured and that was the end of that. I think... Oklahoma hasn't won that one one in that span, have they? No. No. I don't think so. The college... Uh, they've won a lot... But I don't think they've yeah. won a national championship. Yeah, the last champion from the Big 12 was Texas in 2005, and yeah. then Oklahoma won one in 2000. So they, okay, if you're a Big 12 fan, though, obviously, hey, we're ACC guys. We're not going to d- not disclose our bias. We're Pitt fans. But if you're a Big 12 person, you can just say, we have two national championships since the turn of the century, just like you guys do. Actually, was Miami in the Big East when they won their national title? 
No, I want to say they were in the ACC. Yeah, they were in the ACC. So they, so the ACC has three with Miami, but Miami isn't nearly that program. That's the thirty for thirty Miami. But still, the it's rock. not. It's not clear cut. Just, like the ACC has two programs. Yeah. The Big Twelve has right. probably five. And that, that's a fair argument. So maybe four. Texas, Oklahoma. Baylor's been in and out of that. They're now out. But they've had a, they've had a lot that have been in and out. Whereas the ACC has had two programs for the past fifteen years. Oh, Florida State. That's what I'm saying. The oh, ACC you're not counting two. Miami. Okay. No, it, Miami has not been relevant since. Yeah, two thousand. Thirty for thirty, part two. Yeah. So, I, I, the Big Twelve has that argument that they have a smaller conference with more quality programs. Or sorry, they have a smaller conference that has fewer like bad programs, but the ACC has more teams and more, I would say, decent programs. Basically, I think it's a tie for third. Stevie? Wow. Um, I still think the ACC is in third. I don't know. I don't know. Because my... Uh, yeah, no, no, no. I'm going to go ACC's is up there because think about it. Louisville was in contention, what, three years ago, two years ago? Yeah. Louisville was a good team, although they faltered at the end. They were in the conversation. Florida State has been more relevant than Texas. I mean, T- all right, TCU had a couple good years, but I think Florida State, Clemson, um, you know, and then you'll get like an oddball team like maybe VTech, Louisville. Like somebody comes out, like breaks out. I think... You're getting three to four teams that are that are pretty decent more often than you're getting that from from the Big Twelve. I would say that's incorrect. More often than not, the Big Twelve the Big oh, Twelve has uh, okay. four to five programs that are in the top twenty five than the ACC. Does. Okay, I, I forgot about West Virginia. I was thinking strictly Texas for a little bit there. There, Oklahoma State. Okay, I a little brain fart there. So hey, we're one we're one for one right now. I'd say it's very close. It's not clear cut either way. Right, West Virginia. All right. We get it, Bo. Jesus Christ. What? I was there last week, okay? It's been stuck in my head since. But AM has been in and out of that conversation. They're always. AM's in the SEC. Oops. <laughs> they should be in the Big 12. Oops. No, they hey, should be in the Big 12. Hey, two for. They belong in the Big 12. Two and two. You, no. And no, hold on. I just didn't know. We've all we've all had one of those today, but okay. So speaking of Texas A and M, this is going to be that's a good segue for us because we will, do want to talk a little bit about some of the big picture issues right now, not just the coaching carousel for the entire hour. That was um, the playoff and scheduling kind of conference realignment are really the three issues. I think at the forefront of college football right now. I think when you talk about the whole. You know, amateurism and should we pay kids? That's that's the biggest issue in college football right now. But I think nobody knows the answer to that, and I don't really want to talk about it right now. It's it's that's, way that's, too hey, complex. Hey. It's way over our. And pay there's grade. still football to be played, so we don't need to get there just yeah. quite yet. But I think I think in terms of actual structure of college football beyond paying the players, I think the playoff structure right now and kind of how scheduling and you know which teams play which teams week in and week out and how that affects the playoff and your national and who the national champion is and who gets a shot at the national champion i should, i think that's a huge issue and i think you think we need to reform 
What's your ideal? What's your ideal Six scenario? Teams. Six teams. How are you going to give a buy? You can't give a buy. I think that I think it gives more incentive for teams to schedule because I think you base the first two seeds off conference championships and off scheduling and off strength of the team as a whole, and you reward those top two teams with a bye. And I think when but you're what playing if it was, three straight games... Okay, and what if it's this year, and Georgia would have beaten Alabama, and you're number one and but number they two didn't. team? I know. Okay, I'm saying, what if you have a year, like it's this year, Georgia beats, I think, Georgia I beats think, Bama, and then the top two teams are Georgia and Bama? No. But that's that's what they should be. No. I think I think the top how two seeds you, the top two seeds would have to be a conference champion. How can you say that this team did so much more than that team that they deserve to play a le- uh, like one fewer game? That's I think that's ridiculous. Well, I think you have to structure the entire schedule in a way where you can point to that. But you're going to say that Clemson deserves to play one fewer game than Oklahoma just because they went undefeated and Oklahoma lost. I don't I don't I don't see that I don't see that being Oh, the right way to do it. Why not just have a tournament? Why do we have to give buys? I understand it's still like. Well, honestly, because I think I think um, you in know, the NFL they full, have to do it. But if you don't have to do it, why do we have to? No, I and I I wouldn't have a problem with the eighteen. If you gave me an eighteen I, I, I playoff, I'm not going to complain. I want four. I'm sticking with four. Steve, you're sticking guy. with. All right, we'll 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 get to that in a second. Steve, a but my argument for six over eight is I think. You can't saturize the market that much with this many games. I think exactly. people are going to get bored. I, yeah, and so not, I think not even that people are going to get bored, but it's unfair to the players. It's unfair to the players, and it's hard to market. It's which is I think I mean I but I am in favor of expanding at least to six. Listen, I don't know if it's hard to market. I think an eighteen playoff would be wildly popular, like Ohio State, Alabama. In the first round of an 18 playoff, that game would be insanely popular. They could they could format it in a way that it would be insanely popular. But I just don't think it's the right thing to do to add a game for money reasons. And any if anything, we should have fewer games. Back in the day, guys used to play 11, 12 games in a season. Now we're having guys play 14, 15. Now we're gonna say yeah. 16 games. I don't think that's, that's an NFL season. Exactly. I don't think that's something that is right in a college football scenario. Like these guys are preparing themselves to either be pros or going to do something else. So they're, this isn't the end all be all of playing 16 games. Hi. Um, but go, go, Steve, before I jump back in. No, go back in. I, I got a whole. My, well, my argument, my argument against that is one. These are a lot of these NFL ready players are already ready to play 16. You know, they have the conditioning to do it. And then the other half of it is college football as a whole and the NCAA is going to be more concerned about getting an extra game because of the TV revenue rather than player safety. Which is wrong. Which is wrong. That's. It's wrong. It's not right. But. And I think. Have we. Have we seen anything that would direct us that their priority would be player safety over potential revenue? I want to see the highest quality. I do not want to see October being meaningless because Alabama knows that they have four games to prepare for in in Dece- late December and January, so they need like it, it. It just I don't think it's the right thing to do. Whenever these guys are college students at at, at this point, why not just pro- turn it into a pro league? Like let's just call it call it what it is. Well, 
I agree with you. So, I mean, I agree with you that so in the anything, end, anything to further it, it just seems more and more gross. Like to further the, this profit and like get in, get more games. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. I'm just kind of coming a little bit from the nihilist, you know, cynical side where I haven't seen anything that would lead me to believe the NCAA would actually do anything that shows they care about players and, 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 and put and, that as a priority over potential revenue and potential games. And we used to just pick two. Like, it's not unreasonable to pick four that you think are the four best teams. It's pretty – anyone who watches college football can tell probably who, like, the best – four or five teams are who the best eight or nine ten teams are so it's not hard to do so just pick the best four out of the best five or six and then you can argue over the two and that's a great argument to have and that's what you want my other argument for six steve i promise you you will get back in here at some point my other argument for six is i think the gap between one and six would be a lot closer than the gap between one and eight like, I don't want to see UCF in the playoff. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I really don't. It's I really don't. Like I, I understand their argument. I understand that when you win 25 games in a row, that's impressive. We went to four teams, and the spreads are both double digits. Yeah. It's pretty clear who the best teams are once you've played a full season of 12 games. I think if you go back to the BCS this season, and you have a BCS championship game between Clemson and Alabama, I don't think there's a soul in the world that's going to complain. Right. I don't think anybody is going to argue that either of the other two teams, Notre Dame, well, I mean, Notre Dame fans will be Notre Dame fans and say that they had a shot, but I'm sorry, if you had a BCS this year between Alabama and Clemson with Notre Dame, the third team looking in, I think the only people complaining are going to be Notre Dame fans. In eight out of ten years. And I think that would be the right game. Probably eight out of ten years, there's going to be a clear-cut best two teams. Probably nine out of ten, te- ten years, you're going to be able to find a clear-cut like best four teams. And maybe one of those years, it's really, really hard, and someone gets left out that really shouldn't. But that's good. That's good. We don't need to go to eight teams so that everyone gets in and UCF gets to get throttled by Bama in the first round. Like, I know it's good for every conference's revenue to have a shot at the playoff, and it's good for all the money, and it's great for everybody, except for the players. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think it's very good for the players to have to say, here, play 16 games, and then we're going to ship you off to the NFL after you rush the ball 175 like, times for 1,300 yards. Thanks. Appreciate it. See ya. Yeah. Thanks for the four years of unpaid labor. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed your scam out of an education. Here we go. You ready for this one? Let me solve every single problem that you guys just discussed. I do not want to shorten the regular season, so I hope you're not about to say that. Oh, I'm going to say that. Here's, here's what's going to happen, and it's going to solve two problems. We're going to have an 18 playoff. We're going to have 10 games. You know, so, it, 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 no, hold no, no, you are not. No, for one the record, thing, one for last the record, thing. for the record, we only have two microphones right now. Literally, like, so Stephen Manjo no, are literally wrestling over the second mic. I, I've been sitting here patiently, patiently. And this, I appreciate that, by the way. It's a, it's a, it, this is not your microphone. Anyways. Anyways, here's what happens. I'm sure that's going to sound great in that editing. Great for the listeners. Ten games. You know, eight games conference. You get one or two out of conference. That eliminates. That eliminates 
the SEC teams playing any FCS low tier division in one the middle of October. In the middle of October, that, that eliminates those games. You're playing ten games. Eleventh game is the conference. You have eight teams. Um, you know, six. You know, f- sorry, five, six, seven, eight. Um, they duel it out. Or no, what was I? You okay. had so much time to put anyway, this together yeah, I, too. But anyways, the group of five conference winners, whichever you know, you decide on. Uh, you know, whatever ranking they are, and then and then you go from there. And I think number one that eliminates neat, you know, unnecessary conference games. You're out of conference games against weak teams that you just see teams steamroll. Um, and then you're just you know limiting injuries. You're limiting the length of play, and you still get the amount of conference games that you need to in order to determine a champion. Do you do either of you know the FCS regular season schedule? Like how many games that is? Because like they have like the full. I want to say like a thirty-two playoff field. Just go. Just removing just go. two games from every team's schedule is removing hundreds of games throughout the season, just so we can get four more teams in the playoff. Why would that be advantageous to anybody? Well, no, it would be advantageous to a certain group. It would be advantageous to the group that's playing. Eliminating so much of the regular season would be horrible for the sport. So so you're saying that as, as a Power 5 fan, but if you're a group of 5 fan, you are okay with that. I mean, at this point currently, what are Why? you talking about? That's the death Why? of the group of that's 5. That's the death of the group of that's 5. That's the death of the FCS, too. Those programs survive off of that money. Not that that's how it should be, but they get a lot of money. They from survive those games. off of going okay. into but here's the thing. Power Five I, teams. Where we exactly. and where getting we are, the payout. Where we are right now, we like we have no shot of a Group of Five team, you know, competing for a title. Hey, I'm giving you a chance right now to rescind this point because why would you want to eliminate 200 games? That's these are entertainment. These are awesome of, games. Of those two hundred games, games, you're going to eliminate two hundred. How many of those teams do you think are really going going to agree to sacrifice two games off their schedule just so the Power Five can have a bigger playoff teams, and make more? How money? it is now, I think, is perfect. You play eleven real games. You play one against almost like a scrimmage against the FCS teams. The ACC chooses Cup to do pick. it. The ACC chooses to do it in September. The SEC chooses to do it in November. Whenever you want to do it. Play your scrimmage. That's fine against the NFCS team. And if you lose it, that's hilarious and also great for college football because we want to see that. It's like that's college football going version. into LSU. That, that's their version of 16 upsetting a one seed. Like we have that little hope that App State is going to beat Michigan. So I don't want to get rid of that. I want to keep that. I want to keep our 11 games of real football that is grinded out high level, as high level football you're going to get outside of the NFL. Keep that. Don't change it. 11 games for who, the best four teams make the playoff. It's perfect. So how does a group of five team enter the playoff scenario? UCF schedules a one and two away well, that's, at home against Florida and you every year you're if you're UCF or if you're Temple Florida's not going to schedule UCF right now Are you saying UCF that the 1 and 2 right would be willing? I I no, I think it'd be hard you do a way I mean, you do a home and away and away and look, programs do that. They Florida just, just did it with USF. Yeah. yeah. A lot of its programs will do that. So if you're UCF or if you're Temple or if you're anybody outside of the Power 5, you make sure that you have two high 
like marquee Power Five ske- games on your schedule. Hopefully, free. and stop arguing that Pitt is a quality Power Five opponent. And if you get to the level of UCF where you Please. go undefeated two years in a row, if UCF goes undefeated next year, maybe they'll have an R. If you have, if you can actually state the case that you have built this program that is a high I mean, level top nobody, four program, then fine. But not just because you go undefeated because you're in an inferior conference. Nobody is out here arguing that UCF North Dakota doesn't have an argument. Nobody's arguing that North Dakota State should be playing in the playoff, and they've lost like six games over the last five years or something like that. The thing is, undefeated I, I, isn't everything. I agree with a lot of with what you're saying, but I don't think you should have to be like be able to prove that you've maintained a, a sustainably good program in the group of five. Like that eliminates like so not only like. You're working to go undefeated in one season and then progressing to two to three seasons just so that, like, you're planning for the future. Like, you, like, I just think that's ridiculous. Like, you want to win the national championship this year, but instead I you're think like, it's, well, we're going to win out this year, next UCF, year, and hope for... UCF cannot win the national championship. If there was, hey, if there was an 18 playoff this year, UCF would not win the national championship. You know what they'd have to do? They'd have to win. They'd have to win a game where they're a 20 point underdog against Alabama. Then win a game where they're a 20 point underdog against Ohio State. Then win a game where they're a 20 point underdog against Clemson. UCF wasn't good enough to win a national championship this year. Not because they're in the group of five, just because they weren't good enough. And Mackenzie Wilton got hurt, and they still weren't good enough before he got hurt. So be good enough, and then you can maybe crack the playoff. But I think they the don't have other... to expand it for a team to win the playoff. That's not what I'm saying. Win the championship. That's not what I'm saying about you know. UCF's individual year. I'm saying like, I I I don't know. I I just don't see. I don't see a group of five team being scheduling. I I don't think that's. I guess that's the way to do it. But I don't think that's feasible. I don't think that they will schedule. You know that high of competition. They're gonna fight their own case to the death before before they have to settle for a schedule like that. Well, I think I think another issue with that is the fact that these schedules are made five years in advance. Like yeah. when Pitt scheduled UCF, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, Scott Barnes, God bless his heart, please unblock me on Twitter. He did not know that UCF was going to be coming off an undefeated season trying for another. He wasn't looking for a high profile out of conference game. He was looking for a He was looking for a way to get his coaches into Florida and put them in front of recruits. He also had a home and home with FIU. In Florida. Yeah. They are just trying to get their imprint, and it just so happens that UCF blew up in the past three years. Four right. years ago, they were the worst team in all of college football. Right. Or was that five years ago? I don't know. I think it was four years ago, and then five years ago was Blake Bortles. Right. The boat. So it's unpredictable, which is it hurts. It's unpredictable it hurts because of, of the time frames the schedules are made in. I mean, look at, look at college basketball. You know, this year, to, to just go with the Pitt example, this year, Jeff Capel, the new coach at Pitt, wanted to come in. He wanted to go play in New York to kind of tap back into the recruiting pipeline there. He schedules a game with St. Louis at the Barclays Center. He was able to do that over the offseason for this season. Pat Narduzzi can't go and you know try and schedule a game the year before. You just can't do that in college football. Unless there's a bad storm and right unless unless there's a bad storm and a game gets canceled and you're trying to make sure you have bowl eligibility ultimately i think eight teams certainly will not be the death of college football i think it'll probably be good for everybody's financial status that 
is at a major university or works for the NCAA or a TV company. So good for everybody. But I think four teams is just as good. I think it's better. And I don't think we have to make any major changes just because Barry Alvarez doesn't want the Big Ten to get left out. Like, sorry, you can't make it every year. What What if, all right, so we keep 12, 12 games, but we just, the the playoff and the, and the bowl, well, maybe not the bowls, the bowls are the bowls, but what the, if, the, the playoffs are expanded. There's what a little if, bit more time for, for players to rest, recover, and, and it's just kind of eliminates, you know, playing that many games in that short, short of a period. You just kind of spread it out a little bit more. You know, championship games on, like, January, like, 21st or something like that. Steve, you just want more college football. Late no, I'm just saying. You just like, want, it. You just if, want if, if the we're end of January to have college player football. Player safety into concern, NFL. then we'd spread it out. Then we then we'd make it a little bit longer. There's, then you have kids playing college football, and then two weeks later they have the NFL combine. No one wants to do that. You got to wrap the season up so the kids can start their NFL draft preparation. That's why they. That's, that's why how you're gonna get. That's how you're gonna get. That's why the college no, football. No, that's how you're gonna get more early. players skipping exactly. postseason. Um, what what if what if what if you made like the the conference championship games like actual playing games like the first round of the playoff was Automatic conference bids. championships with <laughs> eight teams yeah yeah i would say they would be i would say that's how it would go they would be automatic bids well that would be Especially that would be 10 five. team that would be 10 team no, it would just be the Power Five gets an automatic bid, and then it's guaranteed that the Group of Five gets one team, and then there's two wild cards. So that way Notre Dame I'll, I'll, can get their little word in with the Group of Five, and then Americans happy also. Okay, so Wait, Power Five auto bids, Power Five auto bids, and then... One team outside the Power Five. One team from the Power Five. Okay, one team outside a Group of Five. Auto bid, yeah, and then two wild cards, and then two wild cards. I'm I'm okay with that. I think that's how they'll do it. That's that's the ideal. I think way whenever they go to eight teams. So, so you just if and when you you would include so that, the conference championship in the playoff is what you're saying. Well, it's not not necessarily, like college basketball, but it it would be it would bid. be right. It would be the equi- It would basically make the the football conference championship the equivalent to the basketball conference tournament. If you win the SEC championship, you are guaranteed a spot in the college football. And if you lose it, like say Alabama lost to Georgia, they would still have a shot via a wild card. Now, if they don't do it, then it gets very like. The, the arguments could get very wild if, say, Pitt and Northwestern both win this year. Yeah. Then it gets wacky, which, I mean, it's good either way. I'm Who knows? I'm, I'm happy. Which is, which happy is kind way. of one of the beautiful things about college basketball's tournament structure is that you get those teams. It knocks a team out of the bubble. In, right, like the, awesome. the, the bubble, which is where the selection committee comes in, which I kind of want to get this in here. I do miss the BCS. I do. I do. I miss the simplicity of one national title game. I miss the simplicity. I understand that the structure of having a computer pick your top two teams probably wasn't the best. And probably the code could be rewritten. You know, maybe you want to move to a committee format instead. But I think that the one national title game, there was nothing wrong with it. I think the BCS got a lot of hate that maybe didn't deserve yeah i kind of agree i kind of agree i think i wouldn't I, I wouldn't disagree with that i mean listen i 
I'm not taking a hard stance on either of these. Like, if, if it's four teams, I'm not going to be upset. If it's eight teams, you know, great. Uh, if it's one game, that's fine, too. I don't know. I, I just think there's like this is like this is the same thing as debating who deserves to like it's very arbitrary I think we're off of the baits the, the debates if you to answer your question Bo Steve the we're BCS literally, we're that's literally what we thrive off of is I, I love I love the BCS I, I loved it it was great but at the same time I think the playoff is perfect I think Having those I think it's two semifinal games on the two on the same day back to back, just that, that makes another holiday in sports. That day is seven straight hours of pure bliss. So, going like I can remember even going back to the first time whenever it was Jameis Winston versus Marcus Mariota, and you just you knew yet another game coming on next, and it's just awesome. So that's what I think is perfect about the playoff that being said the bcs was good it was better than just declaring someone a national title at the end of the year but there's a tipping point and i think we found i think eight teams the alabama we're getting nine six was the tipping point we're getting close to the tipping point if we go to eight teams and especially anything more than that would be ridiculous but i think yeah i mean i think steve you are also kind of right where we're going to be complaining about everything. You know, I don't think that right now, I, I don't know if there is an answer. I, I, I think we have the answer. Four teams. Don't pay. One, because... See, I don't, I don't, I don't I, agree I, with you there because... See, okay, I'm going to take a stance. I disagree. Sorry, go ahead. I think what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is what we're going to see is continuous tinkering, continuous kind of small changes and maybe some big changes here and there to the college football structure, to the national championship structure as kind of the people in charge try to figure out what the best way is to determine who the best team in college football is that year. But I think right now you can't say that the playoff is perfect as is when, you know, I... I I've, yeah. I I have an idea. I have an idea. Ohio State lost to Purdue by a bazillion. They do not deserve to be in the playoff. It's okay that they, they didn't did make it. They do not deserve these teams. We do I, I never said they did. No, no, I'm just saying we do not need to go to eight teams for it to be fair. Ohio State lost by a bazillion to Purdue. Um, who, who else was but, playing? Listen, I I have an idea. I have an idea. My idea, you play your 12 games. You listen. Oh, my Lord. Um, You play your 12 games. You play your conference championship. You gather college football experts, members of the press, and you just decide a national championship. That's How about that? This is why we need two mics, because I wasn't going to interrupt you. I was just going to chime in with something real quick. We'll be there soon. I think the issue would I, I don't I don't like that at all, Steve. That, that's what we used being to being sarcastic. Okay. Incredibly sarcastic. That's what we used to um, where was I? I think the issue, I think the reason I would say it's not perfect right now, I was trying to find the right way to say this, is what if UCF had managed to schedule like a big time team this year? They had won that game, like, you know, maybe, like, say, at Florida. Say they, you know, managed to get a two and one with Florida. They beat Florida in the swamp, whatever. And then you're looking at a, you know, a 12 and 0 UCF, you know, American championship against a 12 and one. 
Oklahoma with the Big 12 championship and, you know, the avenging of their only loss, you know, say that UCF had proven against opponents like Oklahoma had that they, you know, should have a shot at the championship, I think UCF still gets left out. I would say every year is a case-by-case basis. So if you schedule... If your schedule is warrants it and you beat your schedule to the level that it deserves, then you make the playoff. So if UCF would have beaten everybody 60 to 0 and were so good that they were clearly one of the best four teams in the country, they would have made the playoff. But they didn't. They almost lost the Temple. They struggled in three or four games. So UCF is not invincible. Notre Dame. But Oklahoma played- went to overtime with Army. Yeah, no. I'm listen. It's a body of work. It's about your body of work. So Notre Dame played eight Power Five teams, beat all of them, beat some very good teams. They warranted a spot in the top four. UCF didn't make that case. They didn't even warrant a spot in the top six. So I, I I think it's pretty easy to rank those teams whenever you look at the whole bodies of work in a subjective manner, which makes it easy to pick a four that's not outrageous to everybody as we've been able to do the past couple years easily so yes you do leave some very good teams out and you're leaving it's unfortunate that you leave a team out that's maybe only a four or five points worse than Oklahoma like Ohio State Oklahoma would be a great game I'd want to see that do you do you see any scenario I guess where someone doesn't get left out I think that's what people are searching for. Exactly. Is they're searching for a way to declare a national champion without controversy. And I don't think it's possible. Why why would UCF have so much of a better case to make it to the playoff than LSU? LSU crushed Georgia. LSU played a really difficult schedule. LSU beat Miami. And UCF... Yes, they ran the table, but that's pretty much the only thing you can say about UCF. Their quarterback's out for the year. So if we were at an 18 playoff this year, the argument would be maybe even more more teams would be upset because how can you say that UCF deserves to be more than in more than LSU, more than Michigan, who beat Notre Dame? How can you say that? So if you're only if you're at eight teams, then nine and ten are gonna be then it, it gets more it gets less clear cut the further you get I away the group from the of best five, teams. I think the group of five should just declare their own champion. Like, not call themselves national champions, but, like, give themselves the trophy. Be like, you know, look, we recognize that we're never going to be able to compete with the Power Five for the national championship. So let's just, you know, create our own thing. So I wouldn't have a problem with that. The the thing that the BCS was good for, the BCS system, is that it did not distinguish, really, between teams. So the group of five would get teams that that, that were— That's a good point. There wasn't, like, any weight. Towards which school it was. Yeah, so That's a good point, Steve. Never thought about that. And I think the argument ultimately is not who's being left out. It's I half, half of it was well, okay. The other half was people. Okay, but so I won't. I won't say that a good bit of the argument is not who's left out. I think the problem is, is the more we're looking at it, I think the harder it's going to be for a group of five team to even sniff a shot. And maybe that's right, but I I think I don't know if, if that's the way it's going to be. Which you know I can see it. There more than likely there's better teams who have two losses than UCF. There may be a better team that has uh, three losses that's better than UCF. But 
the fact of the matter is, is you're going to be cutting off the group of five pretty much from from playoff contention. In essence, yeah. and I think that's where the argument lies. So maybe maybe that happens. Maybe that's like the bottom line is that if you're a group of five, you don't have the competition to make it to the playoff, and that's that. And I think that's wrong because if you're say a team you're like Boise State ten years ago, if Boise State would have had three or four years where they're a BCS team and then they go undefeated, say the sixth year then that's a team that would warrant consideration. If you're a team where you can prove that you have a high level and, you know, it doesn't even have to be. It just, it just has to be your, that year you have to be that good. So if there's a group of five team that is that good that year, they're, they're going to make it. We're not going to leave someone out just because they're a group of five team. If you can say, if you've proven that you are this dominant against a group of five schedule, including hopefully two power five teams and hopefully you have a group of five team in your own conference who's decent so you have three chances to prove that you are a high level team do you know how so like UCF didn't do that do you, so like you know if ucf if ucs does this for four years do you know they how win difficult a couple that is? you know big bowl games new year's six bowl games in that span if they win the american four straight years maybe lose two or three games in total over that span do you think they get a shot Listen, at I, the playoff I, honestly the body of work thing honestly doesn't even matter as much as uh, that matters as far as getting your profile up but realistically and and that matters because that's the only way you are going to build a team good enough right. to warrant being in the playoff is if you're good year in and year out because there's no way you're just going to miraculously have a good team one year in college football. You have to recruit for four years. So that's why I'm saying that right. because that's how you're going to prove to everyone that you are that good right. if you're playing a group of five schedule year in and year out because you don't have as many chances to prove yourself. So what I'm saying is that's how you get to that level. It's not, you know, you don't have to have had been good the, the previous year maybe you went three and eight the year before but if you're recruiting really good you have a really good team if you can sh- if you can prove to me that you're the one of the best four teams in the country then you're gonna make it so i don't believe that you can't i think that would just be extremely extremely difficult i like to have now it's obviously way different because they're independent and they can schedule as whoever they want but Notre Dame did it this year obviously it's a different argument because they 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 can schedule whoever they want they're Notre Dame but if you can build that schedule play, or dominate your schedule, dominate whoever you have, if you have a guy who everyone watches and goes, wow, that's a, that's a really good offensive line. That defense is really good. Like, they, their D-line swarms the quarterback. Like, their scheme is incredible. Their quarterback is, like, NFL level. This team is really good. Okay, then we're going to put them in. I, I, I think that's going to be – wildly difficult to do in the group of five so you're asking you're asking a group of five to recruit high talent that is com- that is hold on hold on what he's what are saying, you talking he's saying the group of five needs to be consistently dominant recruit high talent or else you're not going to be one of the best teams but the, the like it's like i what i'm thinking is is kind of cyclical here so you're you're asking a team that right now does not look like they have a, a good if you're a good player, you are not going to a group of five school beca- right. because you want to compete for the playoff. You right. want to compete in a good right. like. We talked about this a little bit last week. And you're saying that that you're like miraculous. You're gonna have to be like, you know what? Hey, just stay here for four years, and and maybe by the end of it, if we're consistent enough, 
Like, you're telling a four to... Why do you live in this fairy tale land where players at group of five schools have had this idea that they could win a national championship for the past 50 years? No group of five school has ever sniffed it, ever. So why do we have to Why do we have to revolutionize college football and make this an 80-team league? Realistically, dude, there's three teams that can win the national championship every year. Maybe five when you start the year. Like... It's a small, exclusive power. The, the people with the most money in the biggest stadiums and the biggest donors, they win. So don't act like little like boy Sue from like fucking UCF can win the national championship. Like that's not how it goes. Pitt probably can't even win a national championship in our lifetime. Like that's just realistic. Like there's very few programs that are going to win a national championship. That's a little bit too realistic for me. I don't like that. I... I I disagree. A little seventy-six boys. But here's the thing. I think there's a difference between we Damn. we know that and coming outward like outright and just saying that. Flat no, one's, out. no one's gonna say that. No one will un- until there hasn't been a new national champion in college football since Florida in 1996. I'm just saying. There's one of like eight schools wins the national championship. If it's not Alabama. Or Oklahoma or Ohio State or Notre Dame, it's Texas or Florida or USC or like Florida there's, State. There's ten schools that literally have a chance. So we don't have to we don't have to invent this fairy tale where um, Boise State's gonna beat Alabama every year and they're gonna make it a miraculous run. I, I don't I don't think that's necessary to like for college football whatsoever. <laughs> I like the way we have it, is what I'm saying, basically. <laughs> We get to see the big dogs go at it at the end of the year because we know they are the big dogs because they've recruited five stars year in and year out, and this is powerhouse big-time college football. Like, sorry, FIU. Sorry, North Texas. Idaho, you're not You're not in there. Sorry. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I think – I don't I, – I think it'd be ridiculous to just, come, like, outwardly say you just don't have a shot. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying that any team has. I'm just saying it's I think it's just ridiculous. I I, I would agree I would agree that most group of five teams are more than likely aiming for a conference championship and nothing you know much higher than that. Literally ten years ago, it was miraculous that Boise State would even beat a, a program the level of Oklahoma. Like that was an unbelievable yeah. upset. And yeah. now we're expecting them once a year for the group of. Five I'm not saying once a. Do that. I'm not. I'm not. That's how it's gonna be. I think the difference, the difference is really coaching. I mean, I think it, you can find if you can find a coach, a group of five coach that can you know take those two and three star guys that aren't getting the power five offers. You know, the the rare four star that wants to be, you know, the guy at your school and build them up over four years and get them to a level and, you know, compete consistently and dominate your group of five conference and show that you have a shot at a New Year's Six Bowl and show that maybe after four years of dominant dominance. I'm saying I think if UCF wins the American for four years in a row, I think if UCF wins the American for four years in a row, loses one or two games over that time stretch and Josh Huppel doesn't jump to another school, I think they have a shot at getting in in two or three years. If they, if they recruit some stud, there's, I mean, there is so like, much talent in Florida for them to build on. It's the, I, I'm not, no, nothing. What I've said means that if I was a group of five fan, I would be in any way pessimistic. 
you still have every opportunity in the world to become UCF. UCF is 10 times more relevant in the national discussion than 90% of the power, the group of, or the power five people. I mean, how many people, so, how many UCF people three years worst. ago, how many people three years ago could tell you UCF's mascot? Exactly. And in I don't years, think I could in three years of just high level success in a weak conference, they become relevant and any team could possibly do that. If Fresno state runs the table the next two years, they're going to be extremely relevant. So I, I just think, yes, we, yes, yes, you might not have a chance to play Alabama in the playoff, but you're still, you're still going to be extremely relevant in the world of college football and be able to do anything that a, a Power Five team wants to do. And if you have that magical year, and I, I don't think it's out of the question that if we kept a four-team playoff, that one day a group of five team would make it. That's not named Notre Dame. But that's never going to happen because we're going to eight teams. Yeah, I think that that feels kind of inevitable now. Yeah. I don't know if it's the right choice, but I think it feels like that's where. Once contracts are up or TV stuff, whatever, however that works. I want to say it's at the end of last year. Next year. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Well, what else? You guys got anything else? Uh oh! Here's a thought. This this is a side thought. Before, if we decide we want to uh, think of anything, but Manjo and I were thinking a little uh, Capital One College Football Bowl Mania. All the listeners out there. All you listeners, you you get to compete with you or me, Bo and Manjo. That really for, does for, sound good. Yeah. Hey, for all you listeners out there, you get a you get a chance to compete with the minds of me, Manjo, and Bo. No, 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 no. To, it's to see me, Bo, and Manjo. That's the order. That's the order. It's it, that's the the enunciation. <clears throat> Steve, Anyways. Bo, and Manjo. Anyways, one, just two, throwing one, that two. out there. Um, I think we'd, it'd be a great time. Maybe. Uh, Winner, winner gets a special shout out uh, on the podcast. Okay. Winner gets a twenty-five dollar gift card to TJ Maxx or Applebee's. Winner's choice. Or a ten dollar gift card to Amazon. I literally have a twenty-five dollar gift card to TJ Maxx. So there you go. If you want a twenty-five dollar gift card, there in my life. So if you want a twenty-five dollar gift card to TJ Maxx, hit us up on Twitter at twelve on Saturday. We'll tweet out a link. We can scrap together some other free shit. We're gonna throw it into this prize. Join this bull challenge. Okay, wait, hold on. Possibly up to thirty-five to forty dollars worth of gifts. Here, here, so. It's the holiday season. Here, here's my thoughts. We go $25 TJ Maxx gift card. I have a $10 Amazon gift card. I'll 10, throw in as a hey, second prize. Hey, ten, $10 Amazon gift card. I have some leftover ramen from the semester. Okay, Nobody wants that. Poor. Nobody wants <laughs> Just that. Just stop talking. <laughs> stop talking, Steve. Hey, um, all right. So we'll post, hey, we'll let, post let details. Excuse me. We'll post details for that on Twitter. Like I said, that's at 12 on Saturday. Noononsaturday.com for Manjo, for Steve. I'm Ben. Thank you for tuning in to episode three of the Noon on Saturday podcast presented by NoonOnSaturday.com. Have a fantastic holiday. Enjoy the boundless college football this season. Should be a fun bowl season, and we'll be talking about it constantly right here on the Noon on Saturday show. We'll see you next time.